Hello and welcome to the D&D 420 podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping you become a better dungeon master. I'm your host, Eric M. Hunter, and I am a struggling game master trying to figure out how to tell a better story. Joining me shortly is Jimmy Shields. He is the creator of D&D 420 and an avid D&D fan with over 30 years of experience. We continue our quest to create Captain America uh, fantasy style. Um, in this episode, we talk about the ability scores. We actually get to roll some dice and discuss how to match those ro- dice rolls to the ability scores correctly to create Captain America. Uh, Jim is also creating his version of the character, uh, and we discuss the different reasons why we chose the things that we did. Okay, so class, fighter, race, human, and it's not just because I'm making Captain America, but as a beginner player, looking at the other classes and races, I feel like those may be the easiest. Does that make sense? Sure. I felt and I can I can agree with that. I can agree with taking something that's easier. Um, keep going with yours though, and then I'll explain why I made my choices. Right. So I guess we need to tell everybody that you were also making a character. I decided I was going to make oh. losing version of Captain America the the honorable mentions that uh, Eric here did not choose. Uh, it's not necessarily because it's how I would make Captain America, but I wanted to make something different, still following along the same type of guidelines that we're trying to make Captain America so in, now we, in D&D terms. We also have to explain why you decided to also make a character. Do Okay. I mean, it's because making characters is fun. Oh, you're like, not fucking kidding, man. This is, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love role-playing. I love rolling dice. But, man, making characters, I don't know what it is, but there's something about, like, coming up with an idea, a framework, or a template of something that you want to do, and then kind of looking back and saying, okay, so this is kind of what I'm thinking. How do I build that into D&D? And, like, everything just happens to fall into place. Like, the the ideas, the bonds, like, the classes, the races, like, everything just kind of like molds around like it feels like it's meant for whatever that idea is that you have in your head yeah the cool thing about fifth edition is it helps we talked about it last week kind of holds your hand through the process and to some of the finer points of making a character and that's coming up with your background and your backstory and what like little character quirks about your guy or your gal you know and i, I you know kind of, i'm gonna go off in a tangent like i tend to i'm playing in a game with the d20 initiative his name is eric as well um, the Epoch Safeguard campaign. We had session one last night, and I'll tell you, I had so much fun making my character for this game because it, it's my the first fifth edition character that I'm playing. I, now I've DM'd it um, several, like quite a bit actually at this point, a couple of different games, um, but also. I got to use a Pandacorian. It's part of Eric's um, mythos there. It's it's one of his homebrewed races. And it just appealed to me. Something as soon as I read it and saw what it was, it's a panda man. He's like a six foot two, big, kind of burly. Um, he panda gets, man. He's a panda man. He's able to carry a whole bunch, even with a lower strength. He can do, I think it's one and a half times his normal carrying capacity. Um, and... You know, I took him. I, I also was a, I picked Druid, and I made him really weak. Um, 
and a decent dex, a decent con, and a high wisdom. Of course, you know, those are all kind of normal druid things. But just something about playing this guy because of his backstory, because of his, uh, because of the spells I chose. And I made him, you know, he's really weak. And he's not very charismatic. And he's kind of, you know, really adult when it comes to, to book smarts. Grew up in the forest. I, I loved coming up with the voice for him. I loved coming up with the fact that he has a nickname that he goes by. So when he tells new people his name, he's not telling them his nickname. He's going to tell them his name is Devander. But once he gets to know you, you know, he, he's called Dibble, which in his language means kind of slowpoke. Oh. Because uh, <laughs> he was, uh, he yeah, would yeah, yeah. rather be in a cot in a tree somewhere chewing on honey covered reeds or honey honey covered bamboo and and that's just dibble's personality but he's a badass spell slinger so i you know that's the types of things that really fleshes your character out he has a weakness that he's actually physically weak he's got uh, some goofy things about his past but they're very relatable things and I, I I love the voice I came up with for him, and I love I love the other characters in the group because I can tell that some of them have done the same thing. They've really thought a lot about their character. Um, so that's what I encourage you to do with your Captain America guy, I, not to just like we started off and we talked about this last week, copying Captain America into D and D, but then we realized what that you can't really make Captain America right. You can only use the concept of Captain America because we're not playing a superheroes game. We're not playing a modern game. Right. Well, and we're starting at level one, which a lot of the things that Captain America can do are extremely high level, you know, spells or he has uh, magical items or uh, and that stuff just isn't available to you at a level one character. That's why we're going to talk today a little bit about planning ahead as well. Um, so whenever I place my stats and pick my race and class, I like to look ahead. I like to see what types of things you know, we want to do. I've thought quite a bit about my Captain America and what he's going to choose as he levels up. Um, and you know, a lot of DMs, and I've noticed this, I don't know if um, your DM is going to do this, a lot of DMs like to give a free feed at first level. Um, I, my DM does that, and that's kind of a cool concept. However, it makes that um, alternate human a little obsolete. You don't want to be, have two feeds at first level. You don't want your players having that. So we won't we won't really talk about that. But know that that is something to think about if your DM does that. Um, however, uh, we're not gonna since I'm your DM, we don't do that. No, we, we we like to use a 4d6 method to roll our stats, drop the lowest die, and re-roll all ones. This gives you a a strong array. It's a tighter packed group grouping of scores. You rarely have under a 10. Um, uh, you know, actually, I I have a character in one of my games right now that has uh, a nine and something. I think it's charisma or wisdom i can't remember which but um but that's the lowest score you're going to typically end up with using this method so Um, the rules in 3.5 are it's just re-rolling ones and twos right 
There is no drop uh, the lowest die. Is that in there too? No, uh uh. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh. Just re was... Reroll all ones was a rule that's mine. Oh, I thought that was the actual rule in the Nah, we've just been playing that way for Oh, so okay, long. maybe that's what I'm thinking then. Um No, we we roll forty six drop the lowest die is is a very popular method for uh, making characters. And if you don't reroll all ones, you're gonna end up more like between an, an eight and up. Uh, I like rerolling all ones because uh, for two reasons. One, first of all, I like your characters to be tough. A lot of player, a lot of players are encouraged by their DM to, to say, "Hey, uh, we're gonna level your character up. So pick a third level, make a third level character or a fifth level character." Right. Um, I'm. I used to do this myself. Um, because I felt like it was rather boring for a lot of experienced players to be playing first level characters over and over again, you know, year after year, we make a new character, got to do those couple of sessions at first level. And it's, there's no big abilities, no big weapons, no big magic, um, no big hits, but a lot of people get close to death or easily die just because the dice decided to roll a couple of crits in a row against your character so that's why a lot of people avoid making first level characters i'm done with that personally now i'm that's one of the reasons i really like to stick with the 46 drop the lowest die and reroll all ones because it gives you and especially in fifth edition gives you a greater amount of power having higher stats and all of your scores will also encourage you to pick feats as you level up rather than trying to max your scores out. And I really love the feats. I love the aspect of the game that is feats. And the feats in 5th edition are really cool. They're really good. Um, so that's that's some of the reason why I do the method that, I, that I've chosen. Um, so let's, let's get some rolls in for your character, shall oh, we? I'm doing it. I'm doing it right now. I see you. And Come on, what do you what do we what do we got so far? So we got an eleven, a fourteen, a fifteen. I am Wait not a minute. Rolling. That fifth okay, that's a fifteen, sure. Yeah. Um Are you rolling all once? Yep. And ten another fourteen. It's not looking good. <laughs> that sounds that sounds pretty good. I mean, I don't know. Like you always hope for uh me anyway. Six. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you want like, maybe this is just from my experience of creating characters over all the years, but it's like, it always seems like it works out where like you got that one really big stat, that one really big role that kind of like makes or breaks your character depending on where you put it and which ability. Yeah, that's true because especially when we're making Captain America, you want a couple of good roles. Yeah, I'm not getting them at all. I got a 13. Oh, man. And that's going to end up with another 11. So I got two 11s, a 13, two 14s, and a 15. Man, that's almost like standard array. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, what is it, 8 and uh, 10? I think something like that. It's 8 uh, and 10. Yeah. 8, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 14 15. Yeah. Who knows? It's not good. <laughs> yeah, something like that again. Yeah. So, you know, mediocre. I think. Yeah, you got a mediocre character there, but uh, since you're human, you get to put two plus ones, so you're going to get to 
have a pretty good now I had some pretty good rolls here so mine aren't awesome but they're pretty good yeah they're probably a lot better I got a 17 a 16 two 14s man a 10 and an 11 which I'm going to be honest this is very normal for my die rolling method and then what I often do for somebody like you is if you want to roll a second column throw that one out you are more than welcome to true That's so true. i encourage you to do so because in, in our game if you're going to play with my character you're going to be dwarfed big time and so and i like to look at all the characters and do that as a dm you know it depends what your dm likes to do i like everybody to be somewhat equal that's why i allow a second role um Sometimes, though, you just have that person who rolls amazingly well. Right. A lot of people are going to criticize that we at all because it's not fair. So so we actually had this conversation not too long ago for this game that we're going to be playing soon where I rolled really low, um, and you had told me, or you had awarded me, I guess would be the right word, uh, what was it, like five ability points? Yeah, and you're still lower than the rest of the so explain that like from a dm's point standpoint because from a player it's like oh free points um you know go me but from you like dming the game like what does that really mean well what i I like tighter scores because i do want things to be fair in combat i don't want you to feel like you can't hit anything i don't want you feel like a drain on the group um and i don't want you to die because if you're playing a character, uh, it's different if you're a spellcaster or something and you've got a bunch of low stats and only one decent one. Because you can just put that decent stat into your intelligence if you're a wizard, right? Your charisma if you're a sorcerer. Um, or your wisdom if you're a cleric or druid. And you're probably going to be fine. However, if you're any kind of physical character at all or if you rely on any of your stats for anything else... I don't want you having a bunch of shitty stats and I want your saving throws to work occasionally right. not just to get buried um, because it's different than 3rd edition especially because the stats mean more because in 3rd edition everybody starts off differently for the first few levels right? and the fighter starts to get his stuff right away and next thing you know he's got a plus 7 to hit quickly that's it's not really that way and uh in fifth edition everybody starts at plus two everybody with their um with their proficiency bonus right so if you're proficient with your weapon you're getting the same plus as everyone else so that higher strength means so much more so let me ask you kind of like a an arbitrary question though which is neither here nor there why do you think they changed that in fifth edition why do you think they made it more starting out everybody's kind of on the same level um i I think it's a collapsing of the uh of the variance is from what i'm seeing you know in third edition there was a lot more variance in your dcs you didn't you didn't start off with a 12 dc being anything difficult at all i mean that's something a first level character can easily achieve most of the time because they got several skill points and they've got like it's nothing to start off with a plus six and something um, in many things or a plus seven even 
And I mean, I know in fifth edition, it's not too difficult to get that plus six, um, but it's a real pain in the ass to get a plus seven. It's really tough unless you get an 18 and put your plus two in it because of your race. Um, but then it doesn't go up. It doesn't go up for a while. Where in third edition, by the time you're fifth level, we're talking um, eight, twelve, thirteen, easy for your for your best skill, if you're a skill character at all. So a plus ten or a plus thirteen, you you need a much higher DC. And it's the same thing with armor class. Everything is lower on average in 5th edition as you level up. So they've collapsed those numbers down. They went from a 40 being your highest DC to a 30. They went, you know, your armor class is roughly the same, but just kind of on average a bit lower. And then your two hit is just a bit higher. So there's there's a lot more interaction. You're doing damage. You're... Um, there's less variance, so there's less need to start cranking those numbers up higher and higher. So I think that's kind of why they did it. Um, all the characters are more dynamic now. So that's just kind of my personal look at it for, with my limited 5th edition experience. Because I'm really not a veteran of 5th edition yet, so it's tough to speak to it. as of, I haven't played high levels. i played a lot of low-level stuff. And I feel too like it it looks like it's again we've talked about this before but it seems like they're even more heavy-handed of the role playing itself and a little less on the actual stats and rolling dice and that kind of thing. Well, that that's definitely um something we've done anyway and I think a lot of groups out there have leaned more into the role playing aspect and I think it's wonderful that Dungeons and Dragons has chosen to embrace that with the rest of us. Right, because I, I feel like at the end of the day when it comes to Dungeons & Dragons, well, maybe this is just me, though, but I feel like the role-playing stuff is the easiest part of the game. Like, if, well, as long as you understand your like your character and what their motivation is, that's the easiest thing to do. But, you know, it's like, okay, when I'm, I want to do X, Y, Z. It's like, all right, shit, what's this table say? Like, what is this plus one for? Like, what does my decks come into play? Like, stuff like that. That's when things kind of get muddy, especially for, like, a novice player. Well... I think that um, that's for you because I've come across a lot of people where the role-playing aspect is very difficult. Even mm. people who have been playing for a few years um, have a hard time identifying with their character, knowing who their character is or knowing what their character might say. Um, if it comes naturally to you, like I know the first time I played with you, it came naturally, but you're kind of a main guy. Sure. You know, music, um, comedy, all this stuff that you've got behind you you know what a character is and how to portray one not everybody has that luxury and uh, that's the kind of cool thing about fifth edition offering up backgrounds as if you want to as if you want to roll for it or as if you want to choose for it uh, those backgrounds that's a really cool aspect to, to like i said to embrace it and to put it out there a little bit more and instead and, and it's less abstract now where before it was very abstract how role-playing was done. They even addressed that in the book. There's ways, two different ways to role-play, or even maybe more. Um, there's the, my character says this, or my character does that, and then there's the, I am my character. So yeah, and I do this, and I do that. I, yeah, I move forward, and then I say, I grab the tome away from you. Or what, you know, 
what, whatever it is your character might say. Yeah. So I am happy you know, to, to announce voice. that I, better I, I rolled yeah. much, much better. <laughs> so Okay, let's see what you got there. So I got an 18, uh, two 17s, a 14, and two 13s. Holy shit. Yeah, I rolled really, really well this time. I switched the dice. <laughs> Move my dice. Uh, so I didn't watch all those rolls, so I know you're cheating. Ooh, That's okay. What? You rolled better America. than me. I, I quit. Oh, that was easy. I win. Yeah. Yeah, cheating always wins. Okay. So now we're going to talk about arranging those stats. So who is Captain America? He strong. Is, he's strong. Strapping lad. He is. He's also very charismatic. He is very lovable. He, I would say his tertiary trait would be his toughness. So maybe constitution. Okay. Uh, so basically what we're doing is we're kind of ranking these things. Yeah, that's the way I always do yeah. my characters. I rank what's the most important to my character. Um, well, you're Captain America, so you're going to have a good defense. We know that much. Did you choose your feet yet? Uh, no, I haven't gotten that far. Okay. Um, do you have any ideas about what feat you might take? So, no. Because I am not very oh, familiar with these feats in 5th edition. Man, I got all kind of ideas. The first one I'm going to choose when I get to level is called Shield Master. Okay. Uh, Shield Master is really cool because it gives you... Um, it says you use your shield not just for protection but also for offense. You gain the following benefits while you're wielding a shield. If you take the attack action on your turn, you can use a bonus action to try to shove a creature within five feet of you Ooh. with your shield. That's really good. Also seems like something Cap might do. Like if somebody gets hurt next to me and he might want to drink a potion, but he's not going to be able to withdraw away from this and still get his action he's hoping not to provoke an opportunity attack so i can shove the bad guy away from that guy while attacking pretty cool um awesome defense if you aren't incapacitated you can add your shield's ac bonus to any dex save you might make oh that's against big. any spell or harmful attack effect yeah. that targets only you so you're using your shield to cover pretty cool something cap definitely does in the movies and in the comic books it's true um if you are subjected to the effect to an effect that allows you to make a deck save to take half damage you can use your reaction to take no damage if you succeed on that save interposing your shield between yourself and the source of the effect so that's kind of i mean that's kind of perfect do you know what i mean like it is Captain America. Yeah, it's true. That's that's what I am choosing for my feet once. Because when we talk about planning ahead to full level um, and beyond, so I, I really like that. You know, you could take other stuff as well. Um, there's durable, which is pretty good. Uh, it also fits in because of how tough he is. Um, athlete is really good. That gives you a strength or dex bonus. 
and when you are prone standing up uses only five feet of your movement climbing doesn't cost you extra movement and you can make a running long jump or a running high jump after only five feet rather than the normal 10 foot it takes so that's another one that i thought really suits captain america um so those are the those are the three that i'm planning on taking as i move up i'm also at one one um crossroads gonna up my strength because i have a 17 strength i don't have that uh sweet 18 like you have that's right so you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) so those are some of the feats that i think truly fit captain america really well that are in the player's handbook because we're doing this by court rules yeah um i've looked at a few other feats and other books but we're not going to talk about those uh, unless your dungeon master allows them and not allow this time so those those give you a really good idea of what kind of feats we've got to Okay, I'll have to uh, check the other because it's uh, it's just the one, right? You just get the one feet first level. You get one feet. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then when you get to level four, you get to choose either two ability points um, to add to your character or another feat. Gotcha. And you can only ever raise your ability points, like your strength or intelligence or anything, up to a twenty. Uh, that is the maximum for a character. Yeah, because anything other, you need like some sort of spell or potion or something. <clears throat> yeah, anything you do to augment you, it's going to be probably temporary or, um, you know, because you have a weapon or an item, it might grant you something as well. Mm. It's uncommon to have much higher than a 20, ever. That makes sense. Well, and again, because you had mentioned it earlier, with the the DCs being dropped in to thirty, um, it's easier to achieve, and it's a lot more dynamic this right. way. Um, so how are you going to arrange yours? I've got mine set to taste here. So I think uh, strength is obviously going to be my eighteen, um, then charisma, constitution for my seventeens, and I was. I was thinking like, okay, if I get the four, uh, fourth level, get two more ability points, maybe bumping my decks up to a sixteen. Um, uh, I mean, having three eighteens on your character sheet is pretty. Powerful. Yeah, that's true too. However, you're gonna get some ability points from uh, being human. Oh, that's right. I didn't add you those got yet. Two to, two to add. Ooh. So maybe I should just do that now. Something also to consider is that some of these give you pluses to your um, to your abilities, so that's that can be pretty good, truly. Because like athlete, you can add strength or dex by one, and he's definitely considered an athlete. Oh, absolutely. Uh, durable, durable raises your constitution by one. Hmm. These um, heavily armored, uh, heavy armor master, I mean, that you get to raise your strength by one to a maximum of 20. So there are several feats where you can bump up your, um, bump up your strength or your decks or con. There's also, uh, what was it called? Resilient. 
you choose one ability score, gain the following benefits, increase that chosen ability score by one, and gain proficiency in saving throws using that chosen ability. So it gives you a third saving throw, as well as an ability point, which is pretty pimp. Yeah, it's not too bad. So I wanted to make a point like this this whole process i feel especially for somebody who's new or a novice player like this is a team activity this is something that you do i think is best for when you're with somebody who is more experienced um, who has a different take on what you're looking for um because it's so easy to go in and looking i mean just the fact that you're making a different character sheet than i am just goes to show that you can take a template and move it any way you want um and by as simple as you know like a bad dice roll or something like that can justify what feat you pick up or where you put the that score and in, in which ability um for those ability points but having that that second voice that second idea man behind you when creating a character especially when you first get started like to me that is that's that's paramount to something like this I agree. Not only that, but it's good to be with the rest of your party when you're making your character. Because this way you don't have a whole bunch of fighters with high strength and nobody is a dex guy. No one has any charisma. No one is a skill character. How are you going to disarm traps? How are you going to talk your way out of bad situations? Are you just going to swing your sword at everything you come across? That's all good and well until you come across a bunch of undead or a bunch of things that can't be hurt by your weapons. So, right. and you know, it's, it's good to say it, it's a, te- it is a team game. So it's a good to say, let's be well-rounded because that gives your DM a little bit more um, room to roam as it may be. And that's why I like to collect the characters after they're made and after they level up and such, so I can get a really good idea. I have little um, wet erase laminated character sheets that I, they're like an A an A-frame that I hang on my uh, my Dungeon Master screen. And I level those up with your character so I know exactly what your stats are. I know exactly what you guys are capable of. That way when I'm picking bad guys, I'm not necessarily picking things that are way out of your range. I can push you guys to the limits. We can let the dice do the talking. We can let your roleplay do the talking. We can make your decision making do the talking. Um, it's a, it's a lot better when you're really challenged. So it's and again that speaks back to making a well-rounded party and how much it can do for me as a DM. Definitely, because I feel like even though we're making a Captain America player, like he doesn't you can make that style of of character in this game, but he doesn't have to be a fighter. He could be a cleric or he could be a ranger or a rogue, you know, like it you can still use that because if the if the new player comes to you and says, I want to play Captain America like we talked about in the last episode, it's like, okay, well, if we've already got a fighter. What if we took the essence of Captain America and we made him, you know, this badass wizard instead? Do you know what I mean? Well, there's also uh, – let's back up a step. Take a look at who Captain hangs around with. Who does he hang around with? Are they all fighters like him? I don't think so. Oh, because I mean, absolutely not. I mean, I mean, Doctor Strange Tony's, alone is <laughs> Tony Stark, perfect example. Yeah, the Hulk. He is intelligent. The Hulk's a barbarian. Yep. Um, yeah, everybody's different. Then you've got Rogue, 
and uh, and uh, Storm and lets all these other superheroes that are all kind of part of this team. And and it's like we talk about the Fast Fantastic Four. Are they all fighters? Heck no. Right. You got totally different people. You got Skill Guy. You got the Spellcaster. They are a D and D party, man. Yep, that's exactly what they are. They really are because they represent those four things that D and D has set forth. Well, we got a magic user, we got a healer, we got a skill person, and we got a tough guy. That is a well-rounded party. So you need to embody those things with your group if you can. So let's go ahead and finish making Captain America here, and then I've got an idea for the show. So. Okay. Um, okay, so I'm going to, after going back and reading uh, Shieldmaster, that's definitely, to me, is kind of a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah, I It's agree. really, really good. Um, and other than that, it's really just um, plugging in the saving throws and the skill points. Yep. So do you know which skills you're choosing? You, what skills do you get for being a uh, hero? Uh, I knew you were going to ask me that. Oh, don't tell me you don't know because I'm on the page. I can tell you. Go ahead and tell me. <laughs> Go ahead and tell you. And tell it me. is <laughs> a skill proficiencies. You'll get animal handling and survival. Animal handling and survival. Okay. Now ex- explain that. What is that exactly? What does that mean? Animal handling and survival. So you'll mark those on your sheet. Uh, you'll fill in the little bubble next to it. That means you're going to get your proficiency bonus added to the pertinent ability modifier. And that'll be your school. So, Which is which your proficiency starts out at 2 at level 1. Correct. Right. And then so, for instance, Animal Handing uses my Wisdom, which is going to be a plus 1 because my Wisdom's 13. So that would give me a plus 3. And Animal Handling. Yep. That is correct, sir. So is so there, you do you do, do you just type in your wisdom and then just assume that I'm going to do the math later? Or do you just go ahead and put in whatever the, the actual number is? Do you know what I'm asking? There's, there, there's two, two methods of thought here. Um, what a lot of people, what I do for newer players is I fill out every, sa- every saving throw, every skill that you, because everybody gets a chance to do these things. They're all you, me, and every man. So for deception on there, you're going to put your charisma bonus. Intimidate is going to be your charisma bonus and so on. It muddies up the character sheet to me, um, and my eye isn't drawn directly to what I am often going to be doing, and I know what all of these things are. And right next to it to the left, really big, your modifier is right there. So I personally only put in if I have to add things. So... For me, I'm proficient in athletics with a strength of 17, so I leave the saving throw empty. I fill a dot for athletics and put five there. But then for dexterity, acrobatics, sleight of hand, you stealth, just put your regular modifier in. I don't put anything. But oh, okay. Modifier. It's a dexterity check. Same thing with the strength saving throw. Same thing with my constitution okay. saving. Um, I only fill things out that I'm proficient in. That's how I like to do my character sheet because I know that a an investigation is going to be based on my intelligence. Right. I don't need to add anything to it, and that number is right there. Because your 
like the skills that you're proficient in, that doesn't change, does it? No. So there would be no... I mean, your proficiency bonus changes, but like what those skills don't change. So yeah, it wouldn't make sense to fill in all that information. If you don't want to. I I don't... uh, For newer players, sometimes it's nice to have that number there because they're not quite sure what they're doing. Um, You know, whatever you like to do. As long as you know what you're doing, it's absolutely fine. I will say that the the design of these character sheets from uh, a traditional three or three point five character sheet, this flows a lot better. It does because before, oh. like your skills are like on the lower right hand part of the screen, and your abilities are in the left, like upper corner. So it's hard to be able to. Whereas with this, it's like they're side by side. So it's like, okay, slide hands my decks. Well, my decks is boom boom plus two. I'm good to go. I'm not like go, yeah. looking well over the page. Another thing to note for you is you get a tool proficiency. You get an artisan tool of your choice. And that's going to be pretty cool. So uh, in your player's handbook, I believe that's on page 150 or something like that. 150? 50? No, it might be for... Where is it? No, it's like 154. Stone golem swap a bass with insects. What am I looking at? These are, uh. Wait a second. Uh, I mean, I'm sure we're looking at the same book. <laughs> folk here? Yeah, if you're folk here, yeah. there should be a tools on page 154. It's a chart, and it says artisan tools at the very top of that chart, and you got alchemist, calligrapher, carpenter. Photographer, cobbler, cook, glassblower, jeweler, leatherwork, mason, painter, potter, smith, tinker, weaver, woodcarver. So you get to choose a tool set that you are proficient with. And it will work just like your proficiency. Um, so artisan tool. Um, it's like another proficiency. Right, yeah, you just get your bonus with it. Okay, cool. I'll have to look into that. Yeah, I just, again, this book is just all over the place for me. Like, it's. Yeah, as, as good as the character sheet is, the book is kind of. Yeah. Um, it's different than previous editions. There's no doubt about that. Once you get used to it, it's not bad. Yeah. I was going to say, on my other book, I got a bunch of tabs and stuff, different colored tabs that know where it goes, the spell lists or certain classes and stuff that I play normally. Yeah, so. I did that with my loaner player's handbook for yeah. third edition. Um, okay. So now so now for five, you get to pick two um, proficiencies. Okay. You get to choose, or skills, I'm sorry, prof- skill proficiencies. Right. You get to choose from acrobatics, animal handling, athletics, history insight intimidation perception and survival so we've already this is one of the reasons why i said to go you pick your um background and and all that stuff before you choose your class skills right we now know your background already gives you one of those right or two of those those are animal handling Handling and and survival survival. yeah those are both on your um skill list to choose from so you don't you don't have to choose those Personally, so, okay, I good. had I, I chose Paladin for mine, and I'm an asshole. So right. I I personally chose uh, Athletics 
because Captain America. Um, yep. I chose insight and I chose persuasion and religion. Religion is going to be my guiding, uh, my ideal. You know, oh, okay. The reason I have an oath. So that as a paladin, I chose religion. Um, and I'm a soldier, so part of that is, uh, and all you can do this as well. Remember, last week we talked about, or it was actually two weeks ago we did the show. Um, we talked about the like the alternate rules for your background. If you want to swap out one of those, like if animal handling doesn't make sense for your character, you can swap out for another fighter feat if you or fighter skill if you'd like. Oh, okay which I encourage. Survival is good. I think that's a good soldier. Yeah, thing. I think that's a good one. Acrobats, I think, is good. Athletics is good. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm not feeling, like, the whole nature bit. Like, I'm not feeling the animal handling. Um, let's see. I'm not even, I don't even really feel the intimidation. Like, I feel that has a kind of a negative connotation to it. Agreed. So that's why, that's why I didn't go with it. Uh, it, it. But it's for soldier, you get intimidations. But so that's the one I swapped out for persuasion. Oh, okay. Because I do feel like he is um, Captain America is a very persuasive kind of guy. That's part of his charisma. He's talking people into doing the right thing. Yeah, that makes sense. And even bad guys, he's trying to talk them into doing it. Yeah. Often monologuing. Got me monologuing again. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to choose acrobatics as well, um, but I chose religion over that because I needed a, a guiding, a guiding sure. force. So I'd probably do persuasion then. Yeah. Okay. So now we got those chosen. Um, we're gonna go ahead and choose. Did you choose um, your? personality trait your ideal yes so all that's set to go um uh, so my personality what? traits i did that let's hear yeah let's um, hear it so personality traits uh if someone's in trouble i'm always ready to lend help um okay. my ideals are respect people deserve to be treated with dignity and respect um bonds are uh i protect those who cannot protect themselves and my flaws are i have trouble trusting in my allies very cool would you like to hear mine yes Yours are great, by the way. I really love that. It's so fitting for Captain America. Um, being a paladin and being a soldier, mine are a little different. So my personality trait is I face problems head on. A simple and direct solution is the best path to success. Um, my ideal, I will lay down my life for others at any time. And it is my honor to do so. Um, my bond, my honor is my life. Very simple there. Yeah. And my flaw, I am a warmonger who only knows how to fight my way out of every situation. Ooh, fancy. I like that. So, that's my Captain America Paladin Asimov infantry soldier. So, uh, I chose hammer for my weapon. So Half that's what. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, yeah, Warhammer, half plate because I do have a decent dexterity. My dexterity is 18. Okay. Um, and a shield, so I've got a 19 armor class. 
that's pretty darn good. Warhammer is a martial weapon that gives me a D8. It is bludgeoning. Uh, for I feel like for my uh, that's gonna be part of my oath is I'm kind of that clericy kind of guy. Um, you know, they often use bludgeoning type weapons. Just per D and D. Just per D and D. That's correct. But I also really like the aesthetics of the Warhammer. I think it's a cool. I think it's a cool weapon. And since Captain America doesn't use a weapon, he uses a shield. Right. I'm using a Warhammer. You kind of need a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> so, he bashes with his shield. I bash with. A... There you go. Um, okay, so I'm gonna finish filling out just like the nuts and bolts of this stuff. Um, the saving throws and um, the languages and stuff like that and I think in the next episode we should go and start talking about that stuff we should start talking about the equipment um, with the attacks how the hit dice work and stuff like that alright we're also going to talk about planning ahead for your character and knowing what type of feats or what kind of decisions you have to make that are ahead of you fighters got some decisions they got to make so do paladins and another thing I'd like to do with you is choose another um, character to round out our party. Ooh, and I'll choose another character a, as well. Oh, we're gonna we're actually making the Avengers. That's right. Oh man, Let's I'm excited. So we'll talk about that. Um, I'll hit you up with an email. We'll talk about who we're each gonna do, and we'll uh, present that as a little bit of a surprise next week. I'm gonna go ahead and make my character that, and then we can flesh all of the characters that we're making for this. Uh, this fairy tale or this superhero D and D party out, man. Cause making characters is so much fun. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the D and D four twenty podcast for everything D and D four twenty related. Check out D and D four twenty.com. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us there on the website and on YouTube at a D and D four twenty. Lastly, as always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do that by telling another DM about the show and by visiting us on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and review. Thanks for subscribing and being a part of our work here at D&D 420. We will see you next week.